Hi, I'm Mark Whitman, and welcome to this special episode of Drill to Detail, where I'm joined by two returning guests who need little introduction from me, Stuart Bryson from Red Pill Analytics and Tristan Handy from Fishtown Analytics. Joining me to talk about the news that everyone's been talking about in the BI and analytics industry, the takeover of uh, Looker by Google Cloud Platform and Tableau by Salesforce and all the other kind of acquisitions and mergers that are happening in the uh, in the analytics world um, at the moment. So Stuart, welcome back to the show and maybe introduce yourself to uh, maybe one or two people who um, haven't heard of you. Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate you having me back on. Always a good time. I'm Stuart Bryson. I'm a founder and CEO of Red Pill Analytics. We work in the obviously the analytics space, uh, data engineering space, mostly with with cloud native technologies, but we still do a lot of work with with on premises technologies as well. And uh, just really really glad to get on and talk about what is a a wide open BI and analytics space, and with all the news we've had over the last few weeks. And Tristan, it's great to have you back on the show. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me back. Um, hey, my name's Tristan Handy. Um, I run Fishtown Analytics, uh, and we maintain uh, DBT, which is an open source data transformation co- tool. Um, we also do a lot of consulting in the space. Um, we work with VC-backed companies to implement the modern data stack. And uh, the, the funny thing that I've noticed over the past three years of doing this is that a lot of the tools that we use in the in the modern data stack haven't changed that much. And so uh, that's why it was so interesting to see all the shakeup in the past, uh, you know, couple weeks and and months. Um, because I, my guess is that that's going to change moving forwards. Okay, Tristan. Well, it's great to have you back. And um, let's just summarise then the news that's happened um, over the last couple of weeks. And pretty sort of like um, pretty amazing news, really. So first of all, there was the acquisition of uh, Looker by Google, a cash transaction, two point six billion, and they're now part of um, Google Cloud. So as well as that, about a week later, or a few days later, there was the acquisition of uh, Tableau by Salesforce. Again, massive thing, and actually in, in, in kind of, I suppose, financial terms, you know, much, much bigger than the, look, the Looker acquisition. Um, and then before that, there was the acquisition of uh, Periscope by Sysense. And actually, there were some acquisitions, not so much within um, analytics, but to do with kind of data, you know, data integration. There was Stitch by Talend and Aluma by Google. Um, so a lot going on, but particularly the last week, the last couple of weeks, when the Looker acquisition and the Tableau acquisition. So, I mean, let's start off really by talking about you know Looker's acquisition by Google. And I think actually the biggest, I think the person who had the biggest surprise, or certainly was one of the first to comment on it, was uh, was Tristan. You know, I think you commented on the DBT forums about that. So, you know, was it a surprise to you, Tristan, that um, that Looker were acquired by Google? Oh, was it a surprise? Um... I thought it was maybe a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. Um, I, I think it makes complete sense and I can, I can talk a little bit about that as well. Um, but Looker was one of the real rocket ships in, in the BI space. And I, you know, I've been to join a bunch of times. I've, I've heard them share kind of their internal financial results before and things were going great. Um, so, uh, I, I am a little bit surprised that they they did. So, I mean, obviously, it's a, a tremendous acquisition for them. Um, I, I am I I had always anticipated that they would end up IPOing, though. Okay, interesting, Stuart. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, uh, you know my my reaction mirrors Tristan's as well. I mean, and your initial sort of reaction, at least my reaction, was was shock. I mean, it, it really surprised me, and that lasted five minutes before sort of rationality kicked in, and it makes perfect sense. I mean. They don't have, I mean, they have Data Studio and we've done Data Studio projects and Data Studio has some pretty decent capabilities, but it, it certainly doesn't have the full complement of what Looker has. And you could, 
and, and you know they've they released BI Engine recently. The, the combination of those things you try to maybe put together and think, is this a real full uh, analytics tool? And it's not. And I think they could continue. They're Google after all, and they could continue to. They have clever people, and they could continue to build stuff. But I think what they really needed was to hit hit analytics hard and to hit it fast and to hit it now. And I think the only way to really do that is with an acquisition. And I think, uh, you know, we've all used uh, everyone on this, on this podcast, we've, we've all used Looker and we, we all like Looker quite a bit. And it is a, a fully functioning, you know, end-to-end analytics tool. And I think that to, to also respond to something you said, Tristan, which is um, in your introduction, which is the tools haven't changed that much. Do you mean that the, the choices that we have or the actual functionality of those tools, they haven't, they haven't been uh, progressing. Is that what you meant? Mm, um, I, I meant the the actual tools that we recommend to our clients who are kind of right, picking technology for the first time. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think that you know, w- with with uh, with Looker coming to Google, it's going to give them immediately a real you know analytics tool that that can hopefully bring those data warehouses off prem bring those into the to the Google Cloud and to have sort of end-to-end analytics, data movement, all of that happening inside of GCP. Okay, okay. So, I mean, why I think of it is, is in two ways. So, first of all, was it a surprise that Looker sold? And then was it a surprise that Google uh, Cloud bought? You know, and, and I think in terms of um, Looker selling, I mean, the, the, I think the thing to bear in mind, or certainly I was very aware of, is there was a lot of VC money going into Looker. Um, and it had a very kind of high valuation. Um, and so so somebody somewhere is going to want to make some money off of this. Um, <clears throat> so the fact that they sold, I mean, I very much, you know, I, I suspect that <clears throat> people within Looker maybe didn't particularly want to sell at this point. Maybe it's a little bit early. Maybe the IPO, as you said, is, is something there. But there's a lot of money, I guess, probably in the background there that, that wants to kind of like get a return, really. And, and so um, I think it's not a surprise that they they sold as such. And I think... I mean, we'll get onto the product side later on, but I do think that probably um, <clears throat> it's good timing in terms of infusing Looker with some ideas and some sort of like maybe direction with the product because um, certainly, you know, going to join last year, I mean, great company, great people and so on, but I wasn't particularly kind of bowled over by, you know, innovation and ideas coming out in terms, especially in terms of the packaged applications and so on. So it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise to me that they sold. Uh, and also, you know, in terms of was it a surprise that Google Cloud bought? I mean, as Stuart said, it's a kind of obvi- an obvious fit. But I think the, the, the major thing, really, <clears throat> the major kind of factor in this is Thomas Kurian uh, being at Google Cloud. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the story here um, is, is quite a kind of parallel to the story that Stuart, I, Stuart and I know from when Oracle bought um, Siebel Analytics. I mean, Stuart, do you want to kind of maybe talk through what the sort of history of that was? And, uh, and, and I suppose really, do you remember the days of Discover? I mean, Discover to me is a bit like kind of Google's data studio. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what, what happened then? Just, just kind of tell that story a little bit. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, at the time when Oracle acquired Siebel, you thought, you know, it's primarily for Siebel CRM. And I think that was a big part of it. But I remember a blog post you wrote at the time, Mark, talking about how, uh, you know, Siebel analytics was sort of the crown jewels, I think is the term you used. And and it certainly made a lot of sense because Oracle had, had in my mind, and I think yours as well, floundered. Um, in, in an analytics strategy, they, they had kind of cobbled together some tools and none of them really were end to end. A lot of them covered off some space here or covered off some functionality here and just a whole bunch of stuff. And they didn't have an end to end analytics tool 
with uh, the capability to do curated, to do all the sort of stuff that Looker can do. And I think Thomas started to, uh, or Thomas Curian started to assemble pieces for an analytic strategy. And it, and it definitely feels very similar when you look at, at the Aluma acquisition. We need a way for, for on-premises data to get into the cloud easily. Um, and now we need uh, uh, this, this end-to-end BI tool that's not sort of a, a hobby. I mean, that's going to come off wrong. Data Studio is a great tool, but but it's not a serious analytics tool um, in my mind. And I think this is a serious analytics tool. And I don't think Thomas is done. I mean, he's going to he's going to put together everything he needs to go and bring on enterprise customers, which I think is a is an area that he really wants to focus on. If you look at the the the, the press rate, or set the blog that went from this from Thomas Curry, you know it talks very specifically about industry specific analytic solutions packaged for verticals and so on. I mean that to me is where it's going. I mean Tristan, what, what's your thoughts on this? So I uh, I wrote kind of a hot take blog post the the day that the Tableau acquisition came out. And the thing that I was focused on is that uh, so I do a lot of solution selling to. Uh, to, you know, and I, I might end up doing this at, at higher velocity than, um, you know, most consultants because we work with smaller companies. And so we kind of have, have more of those relationships. And so I get to see like tons of, uh, these, these come together and what always, you know, I'm, I'm an analyst, I'm a, you know, maybe more focused on the, the back end than the front end. Like I don't have strong opinions about how a, a dashboard should look as much as I care about how the underlying technology works to produce that dashboard. But in a selling, uh, inst- like when, when I'm selling a solution to, to a client, it's, it's the BI tool that actually drives their perception of that value. Um, and, and so to the extent that, um, you know, looker sales reps are in conversations every day, all day about uh, solution selling and analytics platform, uh, they right now, or they prior to this acquisition, were selling the benefit of of Looker without actually expressing a strong opinion about what cloud partners best with Looker, and they weren't able to extract the value uh, from from the rest of of the the solution. And now Google's able to um, you know construct a, an end to end stack and and extract the value of that entire solution. Looker is always going to be worth more in the context where it is. Uh, driving value across the entire stack as opposed to just grabbing the the value from the top part Stuart, i mean your 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 company and mine are both look at partners i mean what how do you think this how do you think this will kind of play or benefit or work in terms of being you know as a partner really for this as well yeah that's a that's one i've given a lot of thought to um you know we do professional services for looker um i wonder if that relationship is 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 one that will persist we really truly hope so i think that the just the the you know the attention they show that looker shows our company is is as one that i i truly hope continues um i don't know that 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 sort of care we get from the partner channel and the partner network at looker which has been so great for us will continue i, I don't have any reason to believe one way or the other but obviously um, when you've planted stakes in the ground, you do you do start to consider these things. I think one of the things that's interesting, I wouldn't mind hearing Tristan's uh, take on this as well, is it was acquired. You know, Looker was acquired by by Google Cloud, right? And that implies to me, when you look at all the assets that Google has, none of them are sold as licenses. They're all sold as 
as sort of uh, resources, right? So um, they're all sold by either uptime, compute, or paper use. So this might actually increase the the uptake of Looker by some companies who might go and give it a try because they spin up an instance and they don't have to pay whatever the uh, annual subscription is to get started. They can they can try it out. They can spin up an instance, maybe similar to what you do with Cloud Data Fusion today, just an instance running and give it a try. So that might actually increase the uptake for some smaller companies. Um, and it might increase the uptake for enterprises, which will go and um, instead of having to negotiate this contract, they'll they'll spin up an instance and start building some things and see if it works. Uh, I honestly haven't hadn't considered that yet. Does does Google Cloud not sell uh, licenses in in the kind of traditional style that that Looker licenses are still sold under for any of their products? Not that I'm aware. Um, and I actually went through and, and and took a look at everything I could find in the console, um, and everything is either you know, spin it up and pay, pay for utilization or it's pay per use, you know, um, uh, big queries, pay per use. That's really interesting. I mean, the, um, uh, that, that would be, if that ended up being the case, uh, I would become the biggest fan of this acquisition of anyone out there. Um, because I, I do. So I think that the primary value of, uh, of looker as an acquisition target is that they've done a really hard thing. They've actually taught a group of people, data analysts, how to do a brand new thing that previously wasn't really something that they spent a lot of time doing. They've now, you know, Looker has taught them to write code um, as, as a primary way of spending their time. And it's taught them to think modularly about how they construct their, their data uh, solutions. And I think that was a really hard thing to do. And I don't think that, you know, even given all of Google's resources, uh, I think it would be a really hard thing to create another product that took analysts along that same learning curve. Um, so if if they can adjust the pricing such that it's more accessible to more people, I think that's really a tremendous win. Okay. Okay. I mean, look, looking at so looking at the uh, again the the blog that uh, Thomas Curian wrote about the acquisition. You know, the first thing that he said that this would give uh, Google Cloud in terms of capabilities is the ability to define business metrics once in a consistent way across data sources. And, and that was the thing that kind of interested me in Looker at the start, the fact that it almost like reinvented this idea of the semantic model for, you know, an industry and people that were used to kind of, I suppose, just writing SQL or, or not, not having this thing at all. I mean, uh, again, any thoughts really? I mean, to you, Tristan, actually, first of all, what, what's your... What's your take on the value of the model within within Looker? Because obviously there's kind of slightly mixed kind of, I suppose, uh, mixed feelings about that with DBT. But um, what's your feelings about the model in there? And and what value do you think it will bring to, to Google Cloud going forward? So I I really don't think there are – I don't have mixed feelings about the, the LookML model versus DBT. Um, I think they do two different things. I think that there's the data transformation and preparation part. And then you layer on the semantic model on top of that. And – the job of the semantic model is to essentially teach the front end how to build itself such that non-technical, non-SQL users can drag and drop. Um, and to, from my perspective, and honestly, I'm interested in hearing, you know, I, I don't go back to the, the prior generation days as much. And so I don't know prior tools who have done semantic models before as well. Um, but it seems surprising that in this generation of tools, Looker's the only one who's really gone hard at that angle. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, as someone that that does come from that prior, prior consider yourself lucky um, in some ways, Tristan. Um, so, but but no, I mean, this is when we go to talk to, you know, um, uh, Red Pill Analytics began primarily as an on-prem. Um, Oracle consultancy around data warehousing. Similar, Mark and I have similar uh, past histories, even more colleagues at a time. And uh, and when we go to to talk to these customers that have these assets and are trying to get off of them, not having a semantic model or a metadata layer is a non-starter for a lot of enterprise customers. You could argue, Tristan, whether it should or shouldn't be, right? Because um, data curation and data movement is so much easier uh, with tools such as DBT today than it ever was before. Um, and so it's arguable whether they should have that position, but quite frankly, they often do. And I think that this, this is the, is sort of the marriage of, uh, of Thomas Curian and Google. I'm trying to build an analytics, um, platform. It needs to have metadata. If you're going to go after these sort of enterprise customers, it needs to have a semantic model. Now, does it have the, the, the kind of semantic model that we're used to from the legacy tools? Not quite. And that's what I'm interested to see. It's still single source, whereas a lot of these enterprise legacy tools can, can generate queries for a single report across multiple data stores. And I think that it'll be interesting to see whether the product moves in that direction and, that, um, and what, what Mark and I are used to from a lot of those semantic tools or continues to move forward in sort of the more uh, more of what we're used to with a single data warehouse in the, in the modern stack. That's the interesting thing to me. Okay. Okay. So what about um, the, the, the topic of, of packaged applications? So again, I think, um, I think in probably the last episode that we all recorded together, we were talking about um, uh, packaged applications and would you, would you potentially build packaged applications on top of Looker? Um, now clearly, clearly Thomas Kurian and, and Google cloud are going to want to do things around, uh, sales analysis apps or, or other things there. but And I think that Looker's attempts at that so far have been a little bit kind of half-hearted. I mean, uh, again, maybe sort of like to Tristan, first of all, do you think they're going to invest in packaged apps and, and vertical apps? And where do you think it will go? I, I, so... Uh... <laughs> the past two, the past two Looker joins have had very similar refrains, um, and the 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 platform has been the focus of both of them. Um, and I think that there have been more compelling demos uh, in as things have moved forwards. Um, I still don't get the sense that their packaged apps are like a central thing that is is a reality today. Um, I I think that you know they are they definitely care about moving in that direction. Um, from my my take is that the most important thing will be, let's say that they de- develop a great packaged experience. How do you transition from that experience to the more freeform experience of exploration? Because I'm sure all of us are well aware how quickly packaged experiences break down because no two businesses are exactly identical. Yeah, Stuart, I mean, you and I have worked in the world of uh, packaged applications before, and uh, it's certainly a mixed blessing, isn't it, in terms of uh, how far you can take it? Yeah, it's a mixed blessing. I think, uh, you know, our experience is coming from the Oracle packaged application world. And and, and there was a sort of a, a a problem immediately from those solutions is that it, and that problem was that the source systems that they came from, which were ERPs, were quite often customized. Um they shouldn't. They shouldn't have been customized often in the ways they were, but they were. I mean, each and every one were, were super customized. So 
that breaks down for the ETL and the and the analytics that that bring that stuff into an analytics uh, application that has to be customized or it has to be, you have to address those customizations. I think when you start looking at at least what Looker has built initially, which is marketing, digital marketing sources built in GCP, by the way, um, uh, that was a nice choice as it turns out to have built their, their marketing application on, on uh, BigQuery. Um, but uh, I think those sources are less customized. I think there's more experience, they're more events, they're more, it's more event driven um, than it is really sort of ERP driven. So I think the way you model those solutions, there's not so much you can do from a customization perspective. I also think that the applications that were pulled, that, that you would focus on pulling data from today are written in, in a more modern way. And they're written with extensibility built in and APIs that are extensible. I think that you would probably have um, an easier time um, handling customizations that might occur in those in these more modern applications than you did in these, you know, monolithic, um, in some ways, awful ERP systems. So, I mean, looking at the um, the, the press release or the the blog from from Thomas Curry, he talks about uh, delivering using using Looker to deliver industry specific analytics solutions in our key verticals, whether that's supply chain analytics, media analytics, and healthcare analytics. But, you know, Stuart, the, I mean, the thing is, there aren't any applications that, in Google Cloud. Yeah. So I'm kind of wondering how this is going to work, really. And, and what what are these applications they're going to provide analytics for? I mean, I guess you could. I agree with you. Uh, I, had, I had not thought of that. So so suddenly Thomas is in an, an unusual situation where he doesn't have all the SaaS applications to, to source all the data. He doesn't have a, an immediate set of customers. So he either has to, A, go and build and, and build. Um, applications in the Google Cloud, and and that's not something that's going to happen quickly. Or he's going to go and address all of the SaaS applications that are so common um, across enterprises today. So it's the Salesforces of the world, Workday, ServiceNow. Um, I I'm going to assume, Mark, that these these are the things he means. Um, those applications all have reasonably modern stacks, so that you can. Get to their data with REST APIs and other and and other sort of more modern ways to get data out of them. So he could go and do that. He could have shown his hand a bit in the idea that they're either going to build or buy some of these applications. And if that if they're going to if they're going to start acquiring um, source applications as a way to to serve um, a, a downstream analytics business, that could truly truly get. Google could truly get to be very, very big in the enterprise space. Imagine if, a bit like uh, Google G Suite, Google brought out a suite of ERP and CRM applications, and you paid for it by you know, adverts in your data or by um, you know, maybe a low fee or something. I imagine if Google could actually index the world's transactions as well as the world's uh, searches and, and the email. Um, you know, that would be an interesting sort of proposition, really. And to run analytics on top of that, would be sort of very compelling. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I feel like there's this interesting line, um, you know, it almost goes back to like the Ronald Coast theory of the firm. Like where where do you draw firm boundaries? Where in this, in this case, it's like, where do the economics of the uh, hyperscale cloud providers end up encouraging them to go? I mean, to date, they have been very much infrastructure and no one, like the the, the big cloud providers are, 
by and large not providing the applications as well. And there, but there's no necessarily there's no rule that says that has to continue to be the case. But if if BI uh, tends to want applications to be able to, to deliver these curated experiences on top of, you know, we may see that start to happen, which I kind of like the way that things are right now, where, you know, the cloud providers are kind of dumb pipes and, and everybody builds on top of them. But I, maybe that will change. So Mark, can, can I put just one comment on there? The, the, the one thing that, that he might be thinking about is not the applications that you and I have in mind, but it's applications that Google does have, such as YouTube and search and AdWords. Uh, I don't think that's what he means. I, I, you know, I don't think that's what he means, but he could mean that. And it would certainly be a place to start. It seems slightly unlikely, though, that Thomas Curran would have bought this all to provide reporting up on top of YouTube. I mean, that's, I get what you're saying, and we, and, we sh- and, we shouldn't, and, we shouldn't, and we shouldn't dismiss that. But, you know, this guy has a kind of brain the size of a planet, really. And, and you know, you think, I kind of suspect there's something more going on, really. And, and that could be interesting. So but let's look at the, the, um, the Tableau acquisition by Salesforce. I mean, uh, so obviously, that was a massive deal in terms of kind of value. I mean, it's all shares uh, as opposed to uh, cash. Um, and, and, you know, you can't help thinking that maybe the timing of that has something to do with the look of one. Maybe they were second choice, maybe they were whatever, whatever. But, um, I mean, to, uh, again, Tristan, first of all, um, why, why do you think Salesforce, why do you think Tableau, sorry, uh, sold? And, um, and, you know, what, is it, what does it say to you at the time? So, honestly, this is the one where I, I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. So, I, we, we don't actually uh, – we don't use Tableau internally because uh, it doesn't have that semantic layer. And I honestly don't enjoy the process of creating a Tableau report. Um, and, and, you know, we don't – we do plenty of analysis on top of Salesforce data, but we don't, uh, like, get deep in the weeds with, with Salesforce. So, um, my, this has to be – a, a question about uh, the the selling process. I don't think that those two products are like in any way uh, more joined at the hip than than any other two products in this category. Yeah, I can't make I can't make heads or tails of this one. I mean, um, I mean, obviously um, they have a huge customer base, um, and you can you can see this as a customer acquisition strategy. But but if you're just going to lose them. Um, because I can't see where the Tableau architecture, which is still very much desktop driven, even though you can now author um, using using a browser in the newer versions of Tableau, no one does. They all, uh, and, and that's a broad stroke, I know, but in general, most Tableau users are still developing stuff on the desktop and publishing it either to a server or to uh, Tableau online. And so that architecture for a SaaS CRM system, um, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, and, and maybe they feel like they can, they can be the, the company that, that uh, reboots the Tableau architecture to be one that can run uh, alongside, alongside a SaaS application. But I think there's going to be a lot of work to be done. So if they see this as a strategy to try to move Tableau users to some of the other web-based analytics acquisitions they've made in the past. Good luck with that, because one of the things that a Tableau user does not want to give up is Tableau. Um, and so I don't see that being a winning strategy. And I and, and I think that a retooling of Tableau to be truly um, a, a modern web-based architecture is one that is going to take a while. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just really sad, isn't it? Really, I, I think. In, in my, my, my first reaction was it was it was a bit sad. So, so obviously, <laughs> on a financial scale, this is on a financial scale, this is a bit, this is big news uh, because your know, tableau are massive, and I think we sometimes you know it's like it is a bit like a home for the bewildered old kind of like uh, desktop technologies, you know, and and, and I do get that. It's a it's a big financial kind of deal. Fifteen billion, I think it was. Um, Tableau is by far the biggest kind of vendor in this space, and and and, and Salesforce are massive. You know, Stuart and I know that when uh, when 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 the kind of the Tableau, um, not sorry, when the Salesforce conference happens in in San Francisco, it's it's even bigger than Open World. It's, it's two or three times bigger than Open World. It's massive, yeah. And so uh, this is a big deal financially, but it just strikes me as a bit of a financial transaction, really. Like, I think as you know, when we said. It's a bit of a kind of a customer acquisition, and um, I mean, this makes no this makes no sense. I can't see anything that Tableau customers uh, and the product will gain out of this. Um, you know, it's not as if it, it's not as if um, uh, you know the, the the whole the whole point of Tableau is its desktop and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I can't see what they'll get out of it really. I think that Stuart and I know the kind of fate of uh, of, of tools like this that get absorbed by these big enterprise companies, and then they spend the rest of the doomed to spend the rest of their life just being integrated into into products that the customers from Tableau don't want, and and just makes it all run horribly and so on. Uh, I'm not going for a job at Tableau after this, <laughs> and um, and then and then and then for and then for Salesforce, you know, the whole the whole premise of their story is is to do away with kind of software. And things you install, and and now they've got Tableau, the kind of most obvious example of that. I I just can't. I can see it from as a financial thing. It's a bit like when one big company takes over another big company, um, and 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 you know the customers are the kind of in a way the kind of the the, the victims of this. But I can't see really any benefit of this at all, apart from it being maybe a good bill for. And it's all shares, so there's been no cash changed around. Maybe Tableau's investors wanted out. Salesforce kind of wanted to do something. Maybe they're after looker first of all. And and this is the kind of they've got the the second choice thing. I don't know, but yeah, you know, no opinions there really. But it's uh, and it's, I mean to to Tristan, does that any of that sound sensible? Yeah, it it doesn't. I'm so glad that uh, I'm not the only one who feels a little <laughs> cold uh, from this. From this, uh, I I read several articles about it, and I didn't feel like I ended reading those articles any smarter than when I went in. It feels <laughs> like uh, you know the. Tableau has a, a huge revenue stream. Uh, it's it's growing, and it the retention is probably solid. Um, and and so this, the, like you said, this feels like a financial transaction. And there's probably a cross selling opportunity with Salesforce, and that's like where the the synergies lie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and also you make, it does make you wonder. Sorry, Stuart. Carol. Oh, sorry, Mark. I was going to say a couple things. First off, uh, your your Tableau partnership paperwork should be in the mail. <laughs> um, or in the post, as you guys say. Uh, but but secondly, the, you know, what's interesting about, and I'll draw a parallel to Looker here, you know, I started, and you, you as well, Mark, we started working with these legacy tools. And from the time they started trying to, um, you know, sort of modernize, um, Looker was born and sold, right? So in a lot of ways, it's difficult to go and retool a platform. It's just not easier. It, in some ways, it's easier to start over. And I think that if they truly are going to try to make Tableau something that runs alongside or or, 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 or more of a web play, more of a SaaS play, they got their hands full. Um, and I, I think it could be difficult. 
Yeah, yeah. And it also makes you wonder what is happening with the kind of Einstein products now. So there's a fantastic product called Beyond Core, which I was raving about for for, 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 for ages. And funny enough, I, I was the guy who was the CEO was going to come on the show back at the start. And then then, then, the, then the acquisition happened by Salesforce and never heard of again. And he thinks, I don't know what's happened to him or the product or whatever, but Beyond Core, have you, Stuart, have you seen it at all? Yeah, um, I mean, I um, obviously never used it. It's all academic. I haven't been hands-on with it, but certainly I've looked at it. I remember when the acquisition occurred. Um, you know, Salesforce has acquired several things. They've, they, 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 well, they built Wave Analytics and then they built, uh, then they bought Beyond Core as a way to try to, I assume it was going to be to report on that. But there seems to be kind of a black hole of what's going on with their analytics um, acquisitions. Um, I'm not really, sh- I'm not seeing fruit from any of from any of this work they're doing. And maybe this could be the the Hyperion acquisition uh, in the, in some respects. You know, Stuart and I again remember there was a, uh, a a product line from Oracle for OLAP called Express, and then it was Oracle OLAP after that, and and te- technically very good. But it didn't particularly get traction with 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 kind of uh, I suppose a large audience, and then Oracle went out and bought probably the equivalent product uh, in the market, which was Hyperion. Um, and you know, for a long time, people were going, "Well, well why? Yeah, this is just duplicating what you've got." And and in a way, Salesforce have all these products that they would that you know they have the equivalent products to Tableau already. They've got Beyond Core, they've got those things there. But what Tableau brings is is a solid product with a solid user base, um, and it works and it delivers the goods. And maybe this is their Hyperion acquisition. I mean, Stuart, is that sort of yeah, it makes sense if if you can retain those customers. And Oracle did, so that, that I would say the Hyperion acquisition was a better one than the Express one, as far as the customers that they were able to maintain. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's not as difficult as as I'm thinking. Maybe they're going to continue to just run Tableau as a business mm-hmm. and and try to cross sell mm-hmm. where they can um, and just continue to do what Tableau has done well, which is empower analytics users. Um, but as Tristan, yeah. as you've said, it's not my way of building things, right? I, I prefer sort of the looker approach, um, the no software approach, but maybe maybe they can make a go of it. Anything where you have to repeatedly hit save as uh, and create like a series of assets, none of which are connected to each other. It, it, Feels it feels like Excel to me. Do you? I mean, to both of you, do you think this is? I mean, I think actually you said this, Tristan. Does this mean that in fact all these tools that started off as desktop tools and lightweight tools are being inexorably kind of drawn into enterprise? So let me put on my DBT hat for a second and take off my consulting hat. Um, we we uh, have have been building DBT for three years. Uh, the early adopters. Uh, we're, we're VC backed startups and their data teams, and it's grown through organic word of mouth through that. And then it reached some point, and, and that point was uh, like for us was like December, January, where uh, we just started getting interest from the enterprise, and it you know hit hit some maturity inflection or like uh, organic adoption inflection. I don't really know, but we we start started getting these big inbound requests and. As you know, we have experienced the same thing that that the rest of the ecosystem has experienced, where you've got uh, you know the the existing users who are using an open source product, and maybe they pay uh, a fairly small contract size for the the proprietary DBT cloud, um, but but then there's enterprises who right off the bat say like we want to run this on prem, and we're willing to pay. It's not like 10x; it's like 100x. Um, I mean, and 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 it's hard not to have that uh, at least influence your your product roadmap. Um, 
And, you know, we're by no means, uh, you know, stepping away from caring about the, the, uh, the, the rest of that, that ecosystem as well. But, but it just feeling it from the other side of the coin, I can really empathize with these companies where, you know, somebody shows up at your doorstep and they say, I've already used your product and here's a bag of money. Uh, it's, it's hard to, to say no to that. So Stuart, I mean, you're a red pill and, and to a extent my company as well, but you particularly straddle that kind of enterprise and, and new analytics uh, sort of world. So, so do you think there's a need for tools like Looker to become more enterprise? And do you think there's a kind of demand for it in, in the enterprise? Yeah, it's interesting. First off, uh, Tristan, if you ever have too many of those bags of money, uh, <laughs> you got my... Still very few, yeah. very few bags yeah. so far. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. We, Mark, as you know, um, as you know, we we ha- have pivoted from a from a pure sort of enterprise consulting company to one that does a little bit of both. And in some ways, we're, we we sort of uh, try to take enterprises in a in a more modern direction is is one of the things we do. But uh, but it's very interesting when you see startups or smaller companies or even um, mid sized companies, or even some smaller uh, departments within big companies. That are all about uh, cloud services and giving them a try and 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 sort of um, you know pushing some buttons and seeing what they can do, trying open source software and experimenting with open source software and seeing seeing the value of open source software. But in general, enterprises are afraid of open source software, and in some ways, they're afraid of cloud services. Um, I'm painting with a broad stroke there, and things are changing. But um, you know, they a lot of enterprises will will would say that open source project looks really good. It's a shame I can't pay for it. Um, and I don't, I, I, I've often struggled with that mentality. I, I get that they want support and I get that they want to be able to have a, a neck to choke if something goes wrong. But if you look at just the quality of something like Oracle support over the years, I'm going to get some calls on this one, but the quality of Oracle support over the years, um, I'd rather have open source in a lot of cases. So, that that whole idea of it having to be pay, it ha- you know, it can't be open source. It has to be paid. And Tristan, it has to be on prem. I can't believe we still see that. But I know in the DBT discussions that you, you know that you and I have had about how do I approach enterprise customers, they want to be thinking about you know on prem implementations of DBT cloud. And it just is so frustrating. It seems like we should be past that, but. You know, everyone has to grow. Uh, these comp- these companies have to evolve. Um, in some cases, it's just simply, um, you know, not be- there's a fear that there's a fear of the unknown, a fear of of not controlling your compute resources in the way you've always controlled them, um, etc. But I think that perhaps as companies like Google buy products like Looker. And companies like Salesforce buy products like Tableau. I think that just gives everyone a little bit more uh, comfort. Um, if if Google continues to go after the enterprise market and cater to them with cloud services that feel um, like these enterprises need them to feel, then I think that we'll start to see some success. And I think that it is a clear path that we are going to continue to watch company um, products cloud services and things that we love just the way they are get gobbled up. Um, and we have to learn to live with that a bit too. 
Do you, do you think that, I mean, actually, fine enough, I, I recorded an episode of the, the show yesterday with uh, Bruno Aziza from, uh, from, from Oracle uh, about uh, what Oracle are doing in this space. And, and, and Oracle's proposition is very much, Stuart, as you know, is about integration. And it's about, it's not about features and it's not about, um, you know, that kind of thing. It's about integration uh, with all the kind of tools and processes you use and so on. But do you think that's where a lot of the emphasis will go with, with kind of, um, with Tableau and looking in the future, integration with uh, the rest of the ecosystem in that world. God, I just feel like we've 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 watched this movie before. I mean, if you look at what Oracle meant by integration in those days, it wasn't really integration for the customer; it was integration for Oracle, so that they could run it all <laughs> in, a, in a in a combined stack. And so, I think if you continue to see, if you don't see this as um, customer driven. What is vac? What is integration that's valuable for the customer? Most of these products have REST APIs, and there are already other co- uh, other services that tie things together from multiple clouds. There are services that try to bridge the gap between the REST API from this product and the REST API from that product. I, I I've been fine with uh, best of breed. Um, when these tools all are designed to not just work with one another, but work with anything, that's the the main way they've been designed. If they, uh, you know, if Google and Salesforce acquire these tools and make them such that they're eat that they work with a few less clicks or a few less API calls with their own products, that's great. As long as they continue to be extensible through other people's products, just as easily. Um, I mean, if you look at all the things that can run with Looker, uh, that work with Looker, if you look at all the things that can work with BigQuery, um, you know, you don't have to silo yourself on a GCP stack. If GCP gives me something that's inherently easier to plug together uh, and still best of breed, I'm all for it. But those those two scenarios rarely occur at the same time. So... I think that the the way I'm thinking about innovation at Looker moving forward is that mm. there's maybe there's two categories. Uh, and and Stuart, you, this is like largely along the lines of what you were just saying. Um, I think that there is a core experience um, that at this point probably will not fundamentally change. Uh, the the first category is things that I don't think that will actually happen because they're not actually aligned with integration with with GCP. And so. Uh, the last time we were all together, I was talking about my struggles uh, doing uh, dynamic joins in LookML based on a date attribute um, and how this really like LookML's join structure like doesn't facilitate this super, super well. You have to do a lot of work to make it work well. And I was wondering, hey, is there going to be any like different query pattern that, that gets released in, in LookML? And I think the answer to that is like, probably not. Probably we've got the, in that category of things, we've probably got what we've got. Um, but then there's this whole other category of, you know, uh, the BigQuery team in particular seems interested in extending the SQL dialect in, or their, their proprietary SQL dialect in, in ways that expose more and more functionality uh, that, that isn't like what you would traditionally call database processing type functionality. Um, so they have the ability to train, I think it's both uh, linear and logistic regression now in, in BigQuery using essentially like SQL type syntax. Um, and I'm sure that you can, you know, if it's SQL, you can kind of hack it together in Looker, but that's not a first class experience. So what if 
you know, the power of uh, Google's machine learning, we're going to be exposed through a LookML or, you know, first class Looker experience. Like that's the type of stuff that if we're going to see uh, innovation here, I, I think it's in, in that direction. I mean, Stuart, you and I have lived through this with, with the Oracle kind of world and Oracle bought uh, Cible Analytics. They therefore had the opportunity to, uh, to, make, to, I suppose, leverage more of the Oracle database with that. And things like machine learning and data mining have been in there for, for many, many years. It never really happened, did it, though? And, and there was always this kind of, I suppose, tension between focusing on the Oracle database and losing the customers of all the other, all the other databases. I mean, what was your memory of that, Stuart? No, absolutely. Um, was my memory was that um, every time they doubled down on their joint investment um, and and making something work a little bit better with the Oracle database, um, it sort of took away from the core uh, capability of an analytics product. Now, um, I'm not sure uh, what the ex- what, what we're going to see um, if we're going to see Looker become primarily an extension of BigQuery. Uh, I'm not sure that I would be for or against that, right? I'm not positive yet um, exactly. If if it gave us tons and tons of functionality around exposing the models that exist in, in BigQuery, I would love that. But you know, we also still have a lot of, of Snowflake customers and and a lot of and and you know, and th- those cust- that Snowflake looker combination was a strong one. I think that in some ways even stronger than BigQuery. Uh, so, so I think it will be you know interesting to see whether Google is serious about building um, an analytics capability that that will work with other things besides just their core components. If you look at the whole way they're going, though, I think that there's a good chance they that they will continue to be interoperable. I mean, if you look at, at the Anthos movement around enabling customers to build. Google services, um, you know, um, first class Google services with different technologies. You saw this with Redis. You saw this with Kafka or Confluence. So um, and and now Snowflake runs in GCP. That's one of the announcements. So I think it would be great if Looker can if they continue to innovate Tristan in some directions that are just for GCP products while also just innovating, you know, um, looking at LookML extensions you know, uh, translate a whole bunch of different SQL languages. If they continue to build that that core functionality as well, uh, I think that would be great. I will say one last thing is that, um, you know, I have, I did feel like some of the, some of the areas um, that Looker could have been addressing, could have been addressing or not being addressed. And I think that that's been happening, you know, um, uh, a complete Git integration for everything in, in, in Looker. And I kept thinking that that was just around the corner and it's been two years. So I don't know if maybe the injection of, of Google engineers will, will start to address some of those things. Uh, but you never know. Uh, I've seen this go uh, <laughs> swimmingly and I've seen this go really badly, uh, these acquisitions. And I, and I just have to, I love both, both GCP and Looker. So I have to hope that, uh, that it goes in the right direction. Okay, interesting. And I suppose back to, I mean, the last thing I think in your in your post you wrote recently, uh, Tristan, about these the acquisitions, you had open source the next wave of BI, and 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 you were kind of putting the point across, I suppose, that this could actually be an opportunity for for open source. What, what do you mean by that, really? And what was your thinking around that? Yeah. So, I, I, and I did have a question mark at the end of that that heading in my post. Um, I, so, uh, there are. Uh, 
several BI like front end tools uh, that have have some some real traction um, that are open source. Metabase, uh, Redash, um, and Superset. And uh, Metabase uh, just recently raised an A round. I think it was seven million dollars. I didn't I didn't look that up recently, but I believe that's what it was. Um, and uh, I I through the grapevine, I think that uh, Max, who uh, is the founder of Superset, has has raised some money, and and Redash has been a commercial entity from a long time, and and these products have thousands of uh, like like tens of thousands of commits, uh, hundreds of committers at least, um, and and I think tens of thousands of stars on on GitHub. So these are like really significant projects. Um, and none of them are perfect. Um, we've used all of them uh, in in real client settings before, and they really none of them are perfect. But uh, that that kind of traction in an open source context, like products have staying power, um, and uh, we should we should really anticipate that they are going to uh, be around, and they are only going to get better. Yeah, it, it is interesting, Tristan. In that, um, I think that I, I'm 100 on board with. Um, I think this being an opportunity. Um, the question for us is like, you, you know, if you look at like Red Pill and Fishtown, we we typically, you know, have have a different set of customers. I think there, there's some overlap in the middle, but we tend to work with a lot of enterprise customers and you tend to work or, or all exclusively work, I think, with with venture funded startups. So I think the what you see from your customers and what they're willing to to try out. I think, and and good for you because you know that's probably a lot more interesting, right? About about them willing to to kick the tires on some open source software because at the end of the day, money saving money means a lot to them. Um, and I think that when you look at the enterprises, they're just they they tend to be um, just just so afraid of of venturing outside of something that they can't that they can't provision with with money, and I, I, that is. That is frustrating, and I think if there's one thing that um, that I would like to see um, is if the movement of big companies, enterprise companies, to the cloud means that they change their way of thinking. At least they they start to think about not owning everything inside of their data center and not owning everything with uh, with sysadmins and and installations and all the sort of ways they're used to doing things. And if that movement to the cloud means they start to open up in other ways, such as open source software, especially if that open source software is a little easier to use, right? So as companies like Google make things like Confluent available as a service, I think you'll see um, a lot more. Um, no, nothing, nothing makes open source easier than a managed service, right? So I think if we start to see managed services as a as a way for the enterprise to start getting comfortable with some of this thing, some of these things, I, I think that it could be really great for everyone. So if we start to see some of these products you've mentioned become available as managed services, um, as things that are easy to spin up and try out, um, especially in one one of the big three clouds, I think that we it it could be great for everyone. But I think as long as they're being installed. On prem, um, it might uh, the deck might be stacked against it. I mean, I, I think the, the question mark at the end of your your your, your statement there, um, Tristan. You know, uh, open source next wave of BI question mark. I think that's very sort of telling, really. And I think you know, I mean, really, what 
I mean, I've had Max Boucher in on the show before talking about Superset and uh, and the data engineering uh, movement. Um, there's some clever stuff in there, but it's not it's not kind of changing the the the, the paradigm about things. And I mean, we used to use we called it Meatbase in uh, in, in my old company. Uh, that it's a SQL tool over. I mean, I think that the other point you made that in 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 that blog post, um, Tristan. You know, we talked about competition will shift to providing new experiences and talking about well, maybe the next BI tool that takes off will actually not just be another spin on 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 kind of dashboarding and so on, but will be something different really. And, and I think that in a way, Looker was that, wasn't it? Looker is quite different really to the tools that came before it, and you know, in a way, Tableau was quite different to things that came before that. And I think that, to my mind, you know, we should be looking for what is the new paradigm and the new experience here. I mean, just yeah, you know, maybe just to finish off, you know, what was you what were you thinking on that? And we'll cut to Stuart at the end. Um, so yeah, so just on the um, on the open source side to close that that thread in my brain, um, the, the I I agree that um, the existing open source tools uh, are are kind of replays of the same experience, um, and and really we're seeing them. Uh, they're at the stage where I think Looker and Mode and Periscope were in 2013, which is to say, like you know, very early. Um, but they're going to climb the same the same learning curve, and they're going to go through the same process that that the tools that we've just seen uh, go, go through. Um, on the on the new experiences side, the the one thing that I uh, uh, that it's like really stands out in my brain is that I'm in, involved in several Slack communities, and there's a lot of people who. Uh, even though they use Looker uh, or you know whatever other BI tool for almost all of their analytics, they swear by a company called Amplitude for their event-based analytics. And Amplitude is just a a product that collects the same event stream as any other event tool, um, and it it includes a storage component. So it, you know you query it within some Amplitude hosted environment. Um, but then, and this is why why people actually love it. Um, they have a, a user experience that is built specifically to query event data. It does funnel analyses really well. It does cohort analyses really well. It's just like built for purpose. And that's the kind of experience that there's, from a technology perspective, there's no reason why that can't be delivered also on top of BigQuery and in a kind of modular way. But no no BI front end has kind of thought of building a, a best-in-class tool to facilitate a particular experience. Okay, Stuart. So, what, what, just to found this off, what would you say is maybe the next wave of this stuff coming along? You know, where do you see the next innovation, the next looker kind of coming from? Really? Yeah, I think I think in, to a certain degree, dashboards are gonna are gonna uh, become less important. I think it's it's like a cup holder in a car. I think you're gonna have to be able to to provide dashboards, but I think they're gonna be, become less relevant. And and it's the contextual information, which I think is the new experience that you might have been talking about, Tristan. Is different ways that we're going to consume data. A lot of it's going to be mobile um, in, in some way. And does that mean um, a trickle feed through an app uh, that gives me information just in time? Is it is it data that, uh, is it a BI experience or an analytics experience that responds to the context my phone's giving me? Is it different ways of consuming data without even realizing you're consuming it? In most cases, it's not even visual. I think that that was one of the great stories about Looker was the uh, the, the built by Looker embedded um, embedded Looker um, use case was was which was the full you know 130 percent REST API coverage and all the things you could do with it. We never did much with it with our customers because we were always focused on building dashboards. So I think if you continue to build, I think um, a product with the with the with the fundamental architecture of Looker 
could be extended in some really interesting ways. But we weren't really seeing it seeing it done. It's not because Looker couldn't facilitate it. In a lot of cases, it's because the customers weren't interested. So I think as customers become more interested in these ways of, of thinking about tooling um, as being more than just a dashboard, I think we'll start to see some of that some of that uptake. And if whatever tool is able to satisfy these new use cases, these new experiences, I think that that might be, of course, the next one to get acquired, right? Okay, excellent. Well, look, Stuart, Tristan, it's been fantastic speaking to you. It's been a very entertaining kind of conversation. Um, so what we'll do is I'll put the link to your blog post, Tristan, on uh, in the show notes and to your company's Red Pill, Stuart, and mine as well. Um, but thank you very much. It's been a brilliant conversation and uh, hopefully speak to you soon. Thank you. Great. Thanks, everyone.